Hello, everyone. This is Tara, and this is God Talk with Tara, the podcast, um, for those of you who don't know. Um, and I am just praising God tonight because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started at Asbury yesterday is continuing on there today. Um, the chapel service is still going. I believe they're running up on day and a half at this point, uh, maybe more. And that is just a glorious and a beautiful thing to see people coming together to worship the Lord, to cry out to him, to confess their sins, to be released from addictions and bondage and anxiety. And to hear the testimonies that are coming out of that is just a beautiful thing. And all I, I, I just want us to join in that before we begin today to say, Father, we want more more of you, more of Christ, more of your spirit. Lord God, just pour out, pour out all across this land. Father, thank you. Thank you for the brush fire beginning at Asbury. Lord, let that carry outwards. Let that reach out to other campuses and not just to the colleges. Father God, your people are thirsty outside of college. Your people are thirsty, Lord God, in your churches. They're thirsty and they're hungry, Father. They're starving for you. I pray that you would pour out, Lord God. I pray that you would do it in ways that are irresistible. Because sometimes, Father, our habits have grown so entrenched. We're so resistant, Father, to looking foolish, to being seen as overly excitable or distracting to being seen as less than refined or unreasonable. Lord God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit and cause us to dance, cause us to cry, Father, cause us to sing. Lord, move in us singly, together, wherever we are, Lord God, let your spirit come and bind us to one another. Let it move in us, Father God, in ways that just break every expectation that break down our barriers, Lord God, in ways that allow us to shout for the glory of the coming kingdom of God and to carry that good news, Lord, in our voices, in our faces, in our actions, in the transformation that only you can bring of our whole selves and our whole lives. Lord, we call on you for that. We ask you for that. We just pray, Lord, Keep doing what you're doing there at Asbury, and Lord God, let that be contagious all across this land. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your promise, for your spirit, for your grace, for your mercy, and your love. We ask this in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory tonight. Amen. So tonight is not going to be the night that I sit here in silence, but it may be less smooth than I'm hoping. Because the Lord gave me a concept this morning and some scripture to go along with that concept. But I am, hmm, I thought about it too much today. I had too much time to think and apparently that gets in the way. So we're going to go ahead and pray that the Lord will make me small. I forgot that part. God, please make me small and speak tonight. Speak your words, speak your thoughts, Lord God, um, because that's why we're here. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, so 
normally when I do my devotions in the morning with Kenny or when I'm reading a couple of friends that, you know, write devotions in the morning, something has been popping into my head since I began this a little over a week ago. And there has been no hesitation in following through with that. Um, it's been sparse, but at least there's been something there that has kind of grounded what I'm saying. But this sort of came out of nowhere today. So I have been I've been guilty this week. I have been struggling um, for about two weeks, actually. Back in November, I was given an amazing gift of a membership to our local um, rec center here in the area where I live. They have an indoor pool and a hot tub and a whole bunch of other really awesome things. But I've never been really into working out, but I'm very into swimming. I love to swim. Um, and over the summer, I went to, I guess what would be kind of like a crusade um, put on for Christ for All Nations here in Williamsburg. And I asked for healing because my foot had been killing me for months. My I, The plantar's fasciitis had been just making me crazy. We had been moving. And so it had gotten to the point um, where I was crawling on the floor the night before we were supposed to move because I'd overdone it and I couldn't put any weight on it. Um, I was better at that point, but not healed. And I had been praying about it, but this time was different because I was not praying simply that the pain would go away. I prayed that the Lord would take away the cause of that pain. Now, I know the cause of that pain. I am a 50-year-old woman. Um, I smoked for 25 years, and back in 2016, um, the Lord called me a non-smoker. He took me up on my, my challenge that every time somebody had told me that I should quit smoking, I basically told them that when the Lord told me it was a sin for me to continue smoking, then I would quit. Um, and one day I was praying on the way to my husband's doctor's appointment. I was praying over his blood pressure, um, which was at the time wildly out of control. And his numbers, because he was in treatment for a really rare autoimmune cancer disease. Um, and I was praying and I was praying strongly uh, I, I had just really started studying healing in scripture and I was baffled as to why the Lord had not already healed my husband. Um, and I was arguing with God very forcefully laying out the reasons why he needed to, to bring healing. And, um, and I very clearly heard the Lord respond at the time that I needed to quit smoking. Now imagine my surprise as I'm sitting there puffing on a cigarette out the window as we're driving to the hospital or to the doctor's office. I was like, Lord, we're not talking about me. We're talking about him. Um, and I can't quit smoking. It'll make me sick because I have ulcerative colitis and nicotine apparently controls that. Um, and every time I had tried to quit smoking, I would get sick. Um, I'm, and I was like, God, I'm going to get sick if I quit smoking. And we're not talking about me. We're talking about him. I was asking you for healing. I had, that has nothing to do with me smoking. And he's like, well, do you trust me with your healing or not? Because if you don't trust me with yours, why would you expect me to heal his? <laughs> and so I, being the mature, wonderful Christian that I was, I, I negotiated 
Um, it was the middle of the day and I asked if I could wait till morning. Um, and the Lord was gracious. He, I, I don't know that he actually laughed at me. If I had been him, I would have laughed at me. Um, but I got a very strong sense that morning would be soon enough. Um, so I bought another pack of cigarettes and I smoked like a chimney for the rest of that night. And then I threw the pack in the, in the trash and I quit. And I was obedient. And that's a good thing. And that's another testimony. And there, there's really neat testimony that comes out of that. But the reality is, is one of the side effects of quitting smoking when you're 45 years old, um, or I guess maybe not quite that old, but when you're in your early 40s as a woman, um, and you also happen to have slowed down some. So prior to that, I used to do a lot of scouts used to do a lot of camping, used to do a lot of hiking. And we'd really kind of stopped doing a lot of that over the previous year or two. And so I wasn't getting as much exercise and I quit smoking. And when you quit smoking at a moment in time when your metabolism is already slowing down because you're getting older um, and you stop exercising at the same time and you start eating because you're quitting smoking, then suddenly you start to gain weight. Um, now, I've always been a little heavy, but not tremendously heavy. And typically speaking, my weight always stayed really stable. So I would hit a, a particular weight and I'd stop gaining. I wouldn't lose weight, but I also wouldn't gain weight. And I was comfortable in my skin. Um, I've never been one to really worry about being fat as far as how I look. Uh, but I want to feel healthy. I need to be able to do the things that I need to do. And so I kind of ignored that whole deal for a very long time that I was starting to gain weight. And, um, I am at a point now where I am uncomfortable in my skin, not because I care how I look. That's really not a concern, but because I feel the weight that I'm carrying and I feel that it is not healthy for my body. My foot being sore like that, that plantar fasciitis, I know from a lot of prayer that the direct reason for that is because I'm carrying way too much weight. My knees I've noticed are a little sore than they used to be when I go up and down stairs. And I know that that is because I am carrying a lot of extra weight. And I know that I still have a lot of years ahead of me in all likelihood. Um, and so I don't want to find myself at 70, 80, 90 years old, unable to move because I am not taking care of myself. So when I prayed for healing for my foot at that um, event over the summer, I prayed that God would heal the reason for the pain. Now, when I quit smoking, God called me a non-smoker and I stopped smoking cigarettes. And it's actually surprisingly easy to not smoke cigarettes anymore. Now, there was a point in time where there were a couple days where it was a little bit more of a struggle and I did end up getting sick and I had to resist the urge to try to self-medicate um, by going back to smoking or going back to nicotine tablets or something to put the nicotine back in my system to control the illness. Um, but God said to trust him. And so I did. And after a few weeks, 
the colitis stopped flaring and I felt great. And suddenly six months later, I could breathe a lot better and sing a lot better. And so the Lord did what he said he was going to do. And like I said, it is surprisingly easy to not smoke a cigarette because I don't need cigarettes for anything. <laughs> not eating things that are bad for you is a whole lot more difficult because the fact of the matter is, is we need food. Um, and so I have found myself in the last several months trying to figure out how do I cooperate with God as he works toward bringing healing for the underlying problem with my foot. Because at the time, so for two weeks after that, my foot felt great. The healing came that night. It was gone. There was no more pain. I walked back to my car with no pain and it was great until it wasn't when I stood up for too long in one spot for too long again. And, and suddenly that same muscle went crazy because the underlying problem hadn't been addressed. Now, tonight I thought I was supposed to be talking about obedience. And I think I am probably supposed to be talking about obedience, but I don't know that that message is going to be done tonight. Um, so I'm going to kind of go along with finishing up what is on my mind with this and, and kind of point us in the direction that this is going. Um, because God is doing a lot of things in my life and he's doing a lot of things in all of our lives. And we have been praying for revival. We've been praying for awakening. And one of the major things that we pray for is that God would raise up workers for the harvest, that God would raise up other people to lead and to, to grow the kingdom. Um, but one of the things that, that he brought to mind as I'm struggling with this issue today is that we need to be obedient first before we can lead others into obedience. So this morning, I went to the gym for the first time in two weeks. So like I said, three months ago, I, or in November, I was gifted with a membership to our local community center. And I had been steadily going and I was doing a good job. Um, I was going three times a week. I was alternating that with, um, I have a VR headset. My, my son got me for exercise purposes. Um, and so I do a pretty strenuous, um, video game workout for lack of a better term on the days when I don't go to the gym. And I was doing well with that. Even through the holiday season, I was exercising probably at least five days, most of the time, six days a week. Um, and I was feeling better. I was still eating badly, but I was feeling better because I was at least getting the exercise in and it was stretching muscles. And, um, and I knew that God had called me to do that because the way that that all came about was very much God's touch on that. And, um, and so I was working on that and my daughter and I had been talking and, and she had mentioned she really wanted to try to start working out and, um, and so we finally managed to make arrangements for her to go to the, the pool with me one day. In the process, I had missed about four days of um, working out because 
we hadn't been able to coordinate our time. And then the day would get away from me and I would not do my alternative because it was supposed to be a gym day. Um, and so we went to the, the pool and she swam for a little while and she was saying that she still wanted to go. And so I was trying to figure out how to coordinate with her because she's got a, a work schedule that she's got to coordinate around. And I, I coordinate around everybody else, but I have a lot of flexibility in my time. And so for me, I can say I'm going to the gym today and I can kind of plug it in around the other things that I need to do that day. That didn't work for her. And what I finally saw had happened was I shifted my focus off of being obedient to the Lord and doing the thing he had told me to do and being obedient and building this new habit that he was working on in me um, to helping my daughter develop that habit. And I know this is really roundabout and weird in it, but the reality is, is God talks about this in scripture. Um, and, and, and what he had brought to mind for me was first Timothy, uh, where Paul is talking to Timothy about the qualifications for those who lead in the church. Um, and he talks about how, you know, they need to be able to manage their own household. Otherwise, how are they going to care for God's church? And then in first Timothy chapter three, verse six, he says, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, um, we're not going to keep going because it's not the rest of it's not relevant. Now, normally I have to tell you, I don't like taking single verses out of something and, and applying them. But this is what God gave me when I was thinking on this is when Paul tells Timothy that he doesn't want people who are recent converts to be placed in positions of leadership. It's not because he's trying to be mean or he's trying to hold them back or he doesn't believe in their conversion or it is because there is a certain development that has to happen in us before we are capable of leading other people. Um, one of the things you hear a lot in seminaries and in, in preaching classes and in all sorts of other places is you cannot lead people where you have not been. You cannot lead people where you are not willing to go. And so if I am trying to be, um, well, if I want to bring my daughter along to go to the gym because she really wants to do that and she needs help and she needs encouragement, I have to already have established a role where I will not be pulled into condemnation because I haven't established that obedience in myself yet. And that's really what it is, is this is an issue of obedience for me. And it's not just here. The fact of the matter is, is this is an issue that the Lord has been talking to me about a lot. You notice that I am sitting here tonight doing this, um, doing this podcast the first message on being Jesus that I did um, a little over a week ago, the Lord had given me that message several weeks before that. And he had told me I needed to, to preach it. He had told me I needed to speak it. He had told me that it wasn't supposed to be something I wrote. It was something that I needed to speak that and I needed to get it out. And I ignored him. 
Now, the truth is that the Lord has called me to ordination. He has told me I will be a preacher. He is moving me in directions to be doing those things. And yet, in this moment in time, when we are in desperate need of leaders and we are desperately calling on God to raise up people, to, to bring awakening, and when I am sitting here going, yes, yes Lord, send me, here am I, send me, uh, we need to be obedient first. We as Christians, that's, that's our primary role in showing other people how to follow Christ is to follow Christ's commands, to follow Jesus, to do the things that we're told to do. So when, when we are listening to the Holy Spirit and we're praying and we tell people that you need to be praying and you need to be listening to God, we need to be following what God is telling us, right? Am I the only person that does this where I am all about helping you hear what God is saying to you, but when he's talking to me, I'm a little less apt to listen and do as I'm told. And the reality is, is a part of that is because we feel shamed. I think that's it right there is we feel ashamed. I was having a conversation with my husband about eating better and the gym because there was a dietary command that came with that. Um, and I have not gotten into fulfilling that yet and moving that direction. And I'm within the next few days should have that set up. But the reality is, is I have been resistant to that and I've been ignoring it because it's a hassle and it's not, I, I hate thinking about food. It drives me a little bit crazy. Um, I don't like diets because they make me feel obsessed with food. And I don't think that's God's intention is for me to be obsessed with food. And at the same time, I am supposed to be mindful. And there's reasons that I am supposed to be mindful. And again, I think that comes to maybe another sermon and I don't want to go sideways because the reality is, is God calls us and he equips us and he has us here for a reason and a purpose. But if we are called to do something and we are not physically capable of doing it, then we are missing the mark. We are separated from the purposes that God has for us because we have placed physical barriers between us and them. Um, and so I cannot answer God's call on my life if I am not being obedient to the things he's telling me to do because he has reasons for the things he tells us to do, right? Uh, so in Timothy here, that, that gave me that concept. And then I also had that feeling of, but I think a part of the reason for that as I'm swimming this morning, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, why are we like that? Uh, and, and God was like, well, you fail and then we feel guilty. We fail and we feel guilty and we feel like we can't come back to the thing. So that was what I had told my husband is that once I fell out of that habit, he's like, well, you just need to go back to the gym. I'm like, yeah, I know that. But for two weeks I've known that and I still haven't done it because once you've blown it, <laughs> Once you've blown it, you just want to go hide in a hole. Um, and, and you feel like you've blown your opportunity. You've blown your chance. And what's the point? Because you already are in disobedience. You already are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So there's no point in going back because you've already failed. And 
I think that that's another reason why you don't want recent converts in positions of authority within the church is because they haven't learned the whole story of Peter yet. And I think that's where we're going to come to. And that's probably where we're going to put a pause on this. Um, so Peter, <laughs> Peter is a firebrand. He's, he's a little, you know, crazy. If you follow him throughout the story of the gospels, he is forever making huge proclamations and promises and, um, going off half cocked, cutting off people's ears and stepping out of the boat to walk on water. He's very impulsive. Peter is, um, and that's not a bad thing because most of those impulses that he has are to follow Jesus without really thinking too hard about it first. Lord, if it's you, tell me to step out of the boat and I'm going to step out of the boat. And he does. He didn't think that through so well because he didn't keep his eyes on Christ, right? He he suddenly catches the waves in the corner of his eye and he starts drowning. Um. And I think what really brings me to the place of, of, of loving Peter so much, though, as the example for us, is that this passage we see in Luke 22, I love. Now, you see the passage of, of Jesus foretelling Peter's denial in other Gospels. But I love in Luke what he says. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So, Pardon me. Um, so Peter is faced with this reality that he is about to go through a trial that he is going to fail miserably. And Jesus warns him. He tells him, you're going to go through this trial that you are going to fail. Not only are you not going to go with me to prison and you're not going to go with me to death, you're going to stand there and speak to the people and tell them you don't even know who I am. And Peter has to be a little bit stunned by this. Um, and Jesus is telling him here that this is this is Satan, that he's come here to sift you, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And so a little while later, you fast forward through the um through the this chapter, and you see Peter there following along behind Jesus after he has been um taken captive in the Garden of Gethsemane. After Peter struck off the dude's ear and Jesus healed it and told him to put up his sword, uh, this bewildered and, and beaten Peter is following along behind Jesus and he denies him three times. And it says in Luke in 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, Peter, I just want you to think about that for a minute. He's been best friends with Jesus for three years. He's been traveling all over the, the, the countryside with him. He's been 
participating in healing and casting out demons. He's one of those that was sent out earlier in Luke 9 to cast out demons to heal diseases. Um, like we had discussed yesterday, he is part of the inner circle who has been up on the mountain with Jesus to see him meeting with Moses and Elijah and God coming down and saying, this is my beloved son. Um, listen to him. You, you get this this Peter, who has been so close to Jesus for all these, these years now, is suddenly bereft. He has, in a moment of weakness, betrayed his closest friend, betrayed his Lord, his Messiah, after swearing up and down he wouldn't. And he did it where Christ was going to look at him and see, and see what he had done. And he runs away weeping. Now, I feel like that sometimes when I fail, right? When I fail miserably, when God gives me a gift and I fail miserably to do what I'm supposed to do, when God gives me a command and I fail miserably to do it, when he calls me to something and I don't go or I do go and I fall flat on my face or I go and then I run away or whatever it is, we all have those things in our lives. Right now, for me, that's exercise and diet, but it's been other things. And I know for you, it's been something else. It might be alcohol. It might be drugs. It might be relationships. It might be broken relationships that he's calling you to fix. It might be that he's calling you into ministry or he's calling you to be grace to that really obnoxious person at work. Um, he is calling you to set a better example for your children, to love them where they are in spite of what's going on and, and how they may have hurt you um, or how you may have failed them. There are all sorts of things that we have each and every one of us failed at because scripture tells us that we have fallen short, every one of us, of the glory of God. And so there are days when every one of us feels like Peter in that moment when the rooster crows and the Lord Jesus Christ looks him in the eye and knows that he's just denied him three times. And we run away crying. But see, here's the thing that gives me hope. And here is the thing that got me up and over to the pool today and will bring me back over to the pool the day after tomorrow and will have me doing my VR tomorrow and will have me working on getting my diet straightened out by Monday. Um, God is calling me to do these things. And because I fall down and fail does not mean that he suddenly rejects me and says that I'm not going to be doing the thing. If I'm willing and I desire to be obedient, he promises to uphold. And he promises to fill in where I can't, where I fall, where I fail, where I am, am broken. He promises that Jesus is praying for me, that my faith will not fail. And that when I have turned back, I can help my brothers and sisters. And we see this in John. So at the end of John, um, in John 21, you see um, Peter is out fishing um, with his fellow disciples. They are broken and sad and 
kind of at loose ends, not quite sure what to do with themselves. And, and Jesus comes out to them at the Sea of Tiberias and Simon and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John are out there with some of the other disciples. And Peter's like, I'm going fishing because they're not sure what to do at this point. I'm going fishing. So they all go out fishing and they didn't catch anything. This is sort of deja vu all over again. We, we've seen this before where they've gone out and not caught anything. Um, and Jesus says to them, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And all of a sudden, the fish are just overloading the boat. And Peter remembers. And Peter knows who this is. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And he is just running. And so Peter pulls in all the fish and Jesus invites them to have breakfast. And when they're done, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And one more time, for the third time that Peter denied him, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So here we see this beaten man who ran away because he was afraid. Because his best friend was about to have horrible things done to him. Because this man that he had proclaimed the Messiah who he had spoken aloud that he was the Lord was facing death and destruction. And Peter was suddenly faced with the reality that this Messiah was not what he was expecting. And he didn't know what to do with that. And so he failed miserably to obey. He failed miserably to follow his Lord and Savior. And he was disgraced and he ran away. And then he finds himself on a beach in a boat. And his Lord comes to him and says to him, once again, follow me. And what we see after that is the, the birth of the church. We see Peter bold and amazing. We see the whole first part of Acts focus around Peter and the work that he did to grow the church. We see him launch the Gentile church in the home of Cornelius and we just know that Jesus is a God of invitation and forgiveness and second chances. And that when we fall and we falter, he invites us to turn back to him, to repent and follow him. And we can't be leaders until we learn how to do that. First, we have to obey. We have to get really good at obeying. We have to learn to build the habit of obedience. Because until we have the habit of obedience, we won't be able to lead other people 
toward Jesus and like Jesus because we will be too busy being led astray. So I pray for us tonight that God will show us where we are not obedient, that he will open each one of our eyes to the thing that we're holding on to. Like he opened my eyes to smoking, like he has opened my eyes to exercise and eating right. And that we know that he will promise us that if we will follow him, he will help us along the way. He will give us the tools that we need. He will bring us release from our oppressions. He will give us strength to deliver us from temptations. He will help us to build the patterns and the habits that make us more Christ-like because that's what he does. But we have to cooperate. And that's where the obedience comes in. When he prompts us to do something, we must obey. And we must do it again and again and again until we don't need the prompting anymore. We just know to do the right thing. I pray tonight that this leads you toward him. Father God, thank you for your call to obedience. Thank you for your forgiveness for our failures. And thank you, Lord, that you come back and invite us still to follow you, to lay aside our failures, to lay down those things that are broken in us, to lay down the times we have fallen, to lay down the guilt and the shame of failure and disobedience and to turn to you, Father, in the knowledge and the certainty of your forgiveness and your redemption, that we can be reconciled to you in Jesus Christ and that though we have fallen, you will forgive us 70 times, seven times, and you will draw us back to you and you will strengthen us and you will make us stand. Father God, I pray that you would make each one of us stand in obedience to you. I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us, Father God, and cement that obedience in us so that we can lead others, Father, and be a light for them as they seek to find your kingdom. That in our obedience, Lord God, we point the way as a sign toward your redemption and toward your love and toward your grace. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for all you are doing in the world around us. And we pray that you would keep our eyes open for all that you will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed.